Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to know if your idea is the right size for your story. So this is actually a kind of part two to one of the episodes that we did. I'll link it in the show notes. It was a question from a listener who wanted us to kind of show how to expand and how to know whether or not things were the right size. So we did do how to explain your how to expand your story idea. Uh, we forgot to kind of show how to know what made an idea flash fiction sized or novel size, that sort of thing. So this is this is us <laughs> making up for that. So let's go ahead and get into the topic: how to know if your idea is the right size for your story. Okay. First, let me state this is this is sort of the disclaimer for this particular episode. All of this has to be generalization. Mm-hmm. There, there, as there is no one true path to writing, there is no one true way to absolutely state, well, this is a small story idea, this is a medium story idea, this is a big story idea, because invariably, the second you say, well, it is absolutely that thing, your brain will say, want to bet? Yeah. Watch me throw something completely out of the blue into this thing that fits perfectly and make your your flash fiction a seven book novel series. Well, yeah, and also it depends on the writer because um, Stephen King, as I've mentioned several times, can go on five pages about a piece of lint on a carpet and make it fascinating. <laughs> um, so it depends on the writer as well, like how in-depth you want to get on that piece of lint or on that character or on that, you know, particular room whatever it is so it's it's dependent on a bunch of things but anything that we talk about in this one is definitely going to be generalizations because you can always build a story further right or pair it back yes with so with (laughs) with our disclaimer no no stories were harmed in the making of this program um and 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 all of our little little ends covered there let me start out by saying that in general a a short story has or a a flash fiction has one primary moving part maybe two characters and one idea that is almost a punchline the primary and, moving part you mean as a character right yeah the primary moving part is a character and uh the other one is is sort of backstory at best and because this is such a tricky idea to get i have I am just doing summaries of three flash fictions I wrote. Um, one is a woman meeting, a woman feeding men to a dragon mentions that women are like chocolates. Okay, that's that's the whole story idea right there. And um, I actually sold that in a slightly longer version to Bane as one of my short, first short story tales. But um, that, that one is also published in, in one of my little collections. Okay, and the next one is Guy Murdered by Wife melds with alien guitar to become Rob Zombie. And you can you can hear in the idea the punchline. Bob. Bob yeah, sorry, Bob Zombie. Yeah. 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 Um, because it's it's a punchline. Mm-hmm. And then there is a hungry dumpster that discovers that eating evil people is okay. Um, after having had a problem with apparently just eating randos who were walking through the neighborhood (laughs) yeah and it yes and my sapient dumpster figured out which people it could safely eat (laughs) okay those are flash fiction ideas they're very small there's one character there's one character who's doing something and one thing it does and that's it 
Yeah, I've got my uh, Hal Zizi gets his uh, gaudy on is the the title of the story right now. But it's it's basically the story of how Zizi ends up finding out that black fabric doesn't help save you from um, reflections. And uh, I kind of covered this story in the other podcast that we did. But basically, it's a gremlin in a girl's room um, stuck by the reflection finds out that the reflection or, or that the black fabric does not protect him. Very nice. Yeah, so that's that's a flash fiction story, as is the other one that I was talking about with them smoking and laughing at the ninja Oh yeah. Ninja Gremlins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so you're with that you're looking at, at five hundred words maximum. Well, and I mean, again, this is a generalization. This is right. Holly's idea of, of flash fiction is 500 words maximum. Yeah. Right. Um, then you go up to a short story, which is uh, two to three characters total. One important conflict. Um, it's tellable to in maybe three to eight scenes. Um, it runs maybe 2,000 to... to four thousand words and um your objective your objective with that is to get to the end of the story with a strong meaningful ending uh in maybe 30 type double spaced pages and you want to ask one at least one important question and through a number of scenes in which the character changes you want to resolve conflict um my example for this one is a woman whose husband dies uh, connects to his living self across realities. Um, and she does this through a, a, an island and a tree house that her, her husband built for her when he was alive. And she meets, he shows up in the tree house, but it's not him. It's an alternate him from another universe in which she died. And it runs through her life in his life in a relatively short space. Like, I think I did that one in like 6,000 words, which was the limit that I had for it. And that one sold to one of the paranormal romance big book collections. Anthologies, yeah. Yeah, one of the big big anthologies. Um, and it was simply that at the end she dies and meets him, and they cross the uh, they cross the bridge that they were never able to cross while they were both alive, and they are together again. I get a little teary eyed just talking about it. So let's go over to you in a short story. <laughs> uh, mine, um, I'm trying to. Th- think I've got a few up like um but they're so old and they're not they're not great like <laughs> anymore and they're romance and I don't know but this is that's that's how I guess every writer feels um I didn't write down any of these things but uh basically one of them was um a woman reunites with an old friend that they had chemistry and she has to overcome her distrust in men after you know her previous just life full of these problems and he has to overcome his own distrust of um women as well as her reticence and they get together I mean it's just it's it's that's that could be any romance novel even but that was that was a romance short I've written several other short stories but the idea is um, what you're saying about the question, I tend to start with this ending in mind, which mm-hmm. is kind of what makes the, the short stories or the flash fictions fun, is that I already know the ending and I can't wait to get to it. And it is basically that question. Like for for my ZZ story that is a flash fiction, but it's the same thing. It's it's I already know he ends up being this really super gaudy gaudily dressed um gremlin and it's it's like well how did that happen well I already know so I'm writing to that and it it mm-hmm. it's just another different way that you know like we're but when you start off with a shorter story sometimes that is the impetus it's it's like your your story with the dragon and the chocolate you knew what was gonna right. happen oh yeah I I knew that story when I wrote the title because that story and Bob Zombie Rocks the World, um, both became uh, stories because I came up with titles and went, well, what the hell is that about? How are women like chocolates? 
And at the moment when you ask that question, for me, the story that popped into mind included a dragon and a bunch of naked guys and a woman in a cave. And the other thing was, yeah, the guy who was murdered by his wife was the Bob zombie. And how did he become a zombie? And how did he rock the world? So then I knew there had to be a guitar and I knew there had to be Bob and that somehow Bob ended up as a zombie and it was related to the guitar. And that's the story. It's, yeah, it's see, just, you come up with stuff in a different way. Yeah. 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 And that isn't, that isn't the only way sometimes I'll, but titles are one of the best ways I can manage to come up with short, short ideas. How you come up with bigger ideas, we can get into in a little bit more detail. But let me go over what kind of questions you're getting for a uh, novel, novellas and novelettes. And these tend to, they run about 7,500 words to 1,700, 17,000 words. Um, they're not quite books, but they're kind of meaty. And with these, um, you can have, oh, and if you're doing a no, novella instead of a novelette, you can go up to 40,000 words, which is really essentially a short novel. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, you have more. Than, you can have more than one POV character. Uh, you can have primary and secondary conflicts, um, which you don't have in a short story. A short story is one conflict. Um, you can have more scenes. You can have a bigger world. You can cover vastly larger expanses of time. And um, you're, you just have a much broader field. At, you're basically, at that length, you're, you're looking at precursor practice for novel writing if you want to just build build up from from starting short and working longer at the point where you can come up with a novella idea you can come up with a novel idea too so then at that point we're looking now at 50,000 words and up this is a novel idea and um, I didn't have any novella ideas as examples because while I have done some like I said if you can come up with a novella idea you can come up with a novel idea and I do have um a novel idea that I built out and it was a woman allies herself with a hereditary enemy to save her people from allies and I use air quotes around that bent on genocide and that is uh, the overall world building and characters for Talon um, Hawksbar and the as yet unwritten and possibly never to be written Redbird um (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a matter of time and they don't sell well so um, but it was it was a huge novel it was the the each book was like 250,000 words I think and at that point you are looking at a world spanning kinds of conflict where it's not just two people in one town the they it starts there but the conflict, whatever it is, expands. It gets bigger. It brings in more people. It brings in more areas. It brings in more, um, more related conflicts. It opens up secrets. It involves a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts over a long, over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And um, the scope of those, I think, was like I did a year or two years per book. I think was the way I had built those out and was covering from multiple point of view characters. Um, I, I made the unfortunate decision to do one in first person and one in third person, which apparently confused the hell out of a lot of my readers. Uh, so I can't really say that that was a great experimental thing on my part, in spite of the fact that those are some of the books I've ever written. I've um, read other books where they've done that. How did that, yeah. how did that, confuse people it just did it just did I had a lot of complaints about it from people who said I had a really hard time switching from from the the male point of view who was in third person to the female point of view who was in first person and I found that a very uncomfortable way to read and um I I didn't like that oh so 
never had a problem with it, but I guess yeah, well, you know, people but, are but different. Some people do. Yeah. 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 So, you know, at, but at the point where you're working at novel length, you're going to be much more excited about all of the different experimentation you can do with all of that elbow room. Mm-hmm. And um, I did. You know, I have I have experimented from book one all the way through what I'm doing right now, where, again, I'm I'm experimenting for the first time with using a hero's journey structure. But now and, here's the problem, though, is how do we explain to people like how that idea. So let's just make up an idea for flash fiction. OK. All right. Um, you want uh, something small and quirky. One character. Um, let's name her Matilda. OK, so Matilda. um accidentally gets a telepathic cat okay okay that's the that's the story idea right there okay so that's our flash fiction story so um how i guess how does that end so we have like an ending to it okay she she finds out that the cat is telepathic um when she realizes it's, it's bossing around her husband it's bossing around her husband. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. All right. So and, and the title of the story could be "Bad Kitty Bad." <laughs> All right. So, or Bossy Kitty. Bossy Kitty. Yes. All right. So, how do we expand this into a short story? Okay. Um, we define the problem, and the problem is that the cat has mind control over the husband. Cannot affect the wife, but he can mind control the husband. So what does the cat want the husband to do that the wife does not want done? Well, I was thinking he, the cat does not want to be neutered, or, and figures the, the man will be on his side on this, <laughs> or the cat um, wants the man to make the woman do something that the cat wants done that the woman does not want to do. Well, maybe, maybe the cat just uh, wants her to stop vacuuming. So... <laughs> Stop vacuuming, switch to wet food only. Okay. You know, there's, yeah. there's like a list of things. Maybe he doesn't want to be neutered. So all of this list of things are things that the husband now has to fight on his side for. So the short story would be how to compromise with the tel- telepathic cat. Like, okay, we can switch to dry food, but I have to vacuum. And yes, you're getting neutered. <laughs> and then that's her offer. And then the cat would have to counter. But neutered is probably off the table as far as being an option (laughs) yes well yes because you know the guy is the husband is probably going to be on his side yeah no what i'm saying is that's that's you know because you don't want little babies you don't want the cat spray all over oh yeah the cat spray wow yeah yeah so maybe maybe telepathic cat you can explain like you can't pee anywhere but in the litter box and you can't go have um you know (laughs) relations with female cats outside yeah but it's it's okay. back and forth. So you would have you would have that opportunity to you so you give the cat these different wants. You give little hints like the vacuum cleaner is broken and y- your husband was the last one using it or um all of a sudden you're missing $300 out of your bank account and <laughs> you find this huge stash of wet food and the husband has taken over feeding the cat or something. The, <laughs> So it kind of expands right. the area but you, that you can play. What you're looking at with this is a beginning, a middle, and an end. In, and each one is going to be its own single sentence. So the first thing is going to be woman brings cat home from um, the pound or, yeah, let's say he's a oh, pound. Oh, yeah, baby. it would probably yeah. be a pound cat because it's it, like who wants, who's going to keep a telepathic cat if you're not a cat person? Right. And so nobody knows that what that he does this. So she brings home the cat and uh, the cat immediately ingratiates himself with the husband who hates cats, who has always hated cats and so suddenly finds himself. So that's your that's your first scene. OK, so so the next conflict is going to be that, that we have three hundred dollars worth of wet cat food in the house. Um, the woman's uh car payment bounces or something because she thought that that money was going to be in there and it wasn't uh the cat tries to telepathically make her not notice and just cannot he she she is immune to his telepathic wiles so he goes to the husband and the husband butters butters her up 
by taking her out to dinner um, or or in some way saying, hey, I got this covered and puts extra money in her bank account so that this doesn't happen next time. Um, the the upshot of it is going to be that you still have to have a spiffy ending. Um, and it's not going to be, oh, my God, the cat's telepathic. Yeah. Um, or, oh Which my would God, have been but... your flash fiction ending. Now yeah. it's what kind of trouble can we get into because of the te- telepathy. And right. like the ending of the compromise with the cat or and it doesn't have to be you don't have to s- show them sitting down talking and having the compromise. But you can show the end results of the compromise or yeah. or the cat or the wife or to the ending being the wife uh, with her possessions in two suitcases um, standing on this corner street corner waiting for her sister or her best friend or something to pick her up because she has had enough of the damn cat and the, the husband loves the cat more than her if you want to um, go mean with it yeah <laughs> if you want to go mean with it which sometimes you will um, or the husband and the cat out on the curb <laughs> or also mean um, or yeah, some so sort that's of thing. whatever kind of ending that you, that you would fit with a telepathic cat with, right. you know, with that. So how do we take that short story and now switch it into a novella? Okay. Uh, let's just go novel, novella, novel, because essentially novella ideas are okay. just shorter versions of novel ideas. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we have to bring in bigger stakes. Okay. So these are, there are two people. Um, who have a telepathic cat. The cat has senses that they don't have. It can see things they can't see, seriously. You know, little heat signatures or whatever it is that you your damn cat is the... looking at when it stares at the wall for four hours and, and tries to attack the thing that isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's a thing there. There is something big. There is something that the cat can see and can now tell somebody about. So... So now we have people who are the only people in the world who can deal with this thing that now is it can be a bigger problem. So what kind of things can a cat see, smell, hear that isn't going to be known? It might be that there are um, dwarves tundling under the house. It might, you know, fantasy, magic, whatever. Whatever you your genre this, is, yeah. Yeah, whatever your genre is. Um, it might be that there's an alien invasion. I love alien invasions. Yeah, with a telepathic <laughs> cat, I guess you're kind of limited to paranormal, uh, fantasy, or maybe some sci-fi in there. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there are, you, 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 with your idea, you do limit your genre by what you bring to the idea. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to explore all genres with this. Yeah. Um, but within the realm of the genres, then, if you have... Some big thing. Um, there were dwarves under the house. Uh, so what about this? Why is it? If you think you're living in a normal world, you have a beautiful urban fantasy there. And you have, if you have an alien invasion, you have a beautiful science fiction there. If you, you There's just a lot you can do with. Yeah. And with the dwarves, then that's maybe not a whole book in itself. But then you have to figure out why are these dwarves here? And then you find out that it's a vast reaching conspiracy by the dwar- dwarves to to leech maybe power and energy from different houses so that they mm-hmm. have more to build their their um, telepathic cat army. Maybe they're the reason that the, tel- that the telepathic cat exists, which would be and funny. And the reason he couldn't be neutered. Yes. Because he yes. wants to expand his evil telepathic cat army. Yeah, but, but then he would, well, if he knew where he was from, he wouldn't have told them about the dwarves. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he, he's point. maybe just an escapee that left as a kitten and has no idea. But, yeah, it's it's neat to see, like, how deep you can go. And building this into a novel gives you different points of view. It gives you uh, different subplots to, to join in. So let's create, real quick, a subplot that would go with telepathic cat, house, dwarves. Okay, so we're, we're going to go with the fantasy realm? Yeah, sure. Okay, then let's say that the cat is um, able to walk between the two worlds, and there's two between, worlds. Well, if there are dwarves in the, if we're if we're doing it in a, a modern place mm-hmm. in a modern time, and there are dwarves, there are two worlds. Okay. So. Oh yeah, yeah. 
yeah. underneath. So you have, yeah, you get, because you have um, uh, big city South Florida. And now you have dwarves digging through the coral <laughs> in big city South Florida. Um, and from their magical realm. And the cat is able to move between these two worlds. So why is the cat there? Um, why are the dwarves there? What could people do if they moved into the dwarves' realm, if they found these tunnels and these passageways and these, these ways to move between these two worlds? Why, what kind of connections do you get from having human um, magical dwarf interactions and a telepathic cat who can translate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, what's at stake? And stakes is the big thing. Uh, dwarves are tunneling to seek for help because something is endangering their world. And at the same time, something is endangering the human world. And it's the same sort of something in two different forms. And these people are the only people, the dwarves who are coming to get the humans, the hu- this, this man and woman and their, the, the cat who can go between the two worlds, are the only guys who can save the world. And there, you don't have just a novel. You have a novel series that can go out into seven books. Yeah. And you can build bigger and bigger. And yeah. Yeah. And that's cool, too, because maybe the first novel uh, or the first part of the novel, you're thinking that the dwarves are the bad guys. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was I was thinking. And then you get that nice little twist in there and you discover and you can keep keep building the layers and and the people who you think are in charge aren't and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So what's the next thing? Okay. So what we want to do here is there are questions you can ask yourself that will allow you to write the kind of story you need. And as someone who was given hard time deadlines and hard word counts for a variety of different genres and a variety of different story lengths, where I would get a call from my agent and she said, hey, do you want to... um, do a 6,000 word paranormal romance story for this collection um, because I, they, the uh, publisher called me and wants to know if you want in. And I would say, yeah, you know, what's, what's the word count? Uh, the word count is a, a hard word count of 6,000 words. You can't go over that. And uh, it has to be paranormal. It has to be romance. And then, you know, you get a call from your, your agent says, okay, well, this, uh, there's a an opening if you can get a 50,000 word novel for this line or um, yes your 100,000 word book just sold but it needs to be a series of three books and each time what you do is you say okay for the story that I have to write right now how many people does this story affect and if it's one person it's flesh if it's if it's um, like two or three people, it can be a short story. Which is like, funny because actually yours affected more than that. The romance that we're talking about, because the effects were um, she actually ended up pregnant by yeah. the ghost, not ghost husband, but by the husband from the alternate universe, and the timeline made it seem like she had been having. A relationship with somebody at right after her husband died and the right. family didn't believe her that it was his and and kind of you can understand why and then right. you know by the time she has the baby she has the dna test and stuff like that um it affected their their kid mm-hmm. or kids i don't know all the kids the yeah kids her relationship with her mother her with mm-hmm. her parents her relationship with her ex-friends um, because she just cut everybody off because they didn't believe her when she was telling the truth. Yeah. And um, so she ended up living a, a very solitary life, raising her kids by herself, but getting together in this tree house in the island it, just a f- maybe a few times a year, and sometimes not even that, for the rest of her life with the husband that she loved. And then and the, the story takes a period, takes place over a period of about 80 years in 6,000 words. And, but it was very, very, very tightly plotted. And it just focused on her. It was only from her point of view. Um, and it, 
it focused with the the meetings that she had with him so that I was able to accelerate the time very tightly through that plot line. And I just stayed laser focused on the whole story up until the point where they both died simultaneously, holding hands with each other across the universe. It's no, in Lord, this tree, son of a goes. bitch, I'm going to make myself cry again. <laughs> and they were able for the first time to walk off that island over the bridge and be together forever. I am such a wuss. Yeah, you didn't use the V. No, no. Well, you get older, you, you, you start realizing the stakes of things. Yeah, you guys don't know, man. Mom never cried. No. <laughs> we never saw her cry. Now it's like all the time. I'm like, who is this woman? Well, if I had cried during the some of the shit we were going through, I would never stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so anyway. Um, so that was one character's point of view throughout the entire story. It was, I think maybe eight scenes max each of a little less than a thousand words per scene i accelerated the pace i was very tight with my wording um and so i was able to make you know that short a story run an entire lifetime so time is time is a thing you can play with yeah and this is really kind of one of those exceptions that we were talking about mm -hmm. but you know, it, it kind of is a way that, that the generalizations, it, it's one of those that, that bent the rules of a short story. Right, because in general, your short story is over a very short period of time. If it's not over a very short, if it's over a long period of time, then it has to be from a very tightly controlled point of view with very, very specific scene choices that that show that length of time in compressed form where every single action matters yeah and it's not easy yeah mm -mm. so what were the other questions okay so after you do how many people does this story affect then you ask what are the stakes and the stakes in that story was um the a woman who lost the only man she ever loved lost everything when she re regained him in a form that she couldn't keep and could just barely reach and they could only get together when there was fog on the island the name of the story is light through fog there you and go the, yeah and the only time they could could touch each other or be with together was just during these rare experiences where there was the right combination of weather to put fog on that little island so that when she crossed the bridge they would both be there yeah and um so that limited the amount of of encounters that they could have very severely and but the stakes was that all they had were these tiny little times together and it was enough that she didn't have to go find somebody else she didn't need friends uh the friends who had abandoned her she didn't she you know made a few like one i think other friend who that she did artwork with but and she raised her kids and she had her kids and she had her kid with him and they had those little little bits and pieces of life together let's get back to the questions before you cry again yeah again seriously okay so then after the stakes how large an area is directly affected okay in this story it's her backyard it is a tree house in her backyard and her house that's the only setting for yeah. the entire story she doesn't go anywhere she doesn't do anything that is, this entire story is locked down to this house, a bridge, a stream, a tree, and a treehouse. And everything happens right there over a period of 80 years. Okay, next thing. Um, how much story time is covered? Now, if you're doing a short story, you can cover a lot of story time if you only have one character and one setting. If you start moving out from that, you're going to lose places. You're going to, things are going to start getting too big. It's going to stop being a short story. It's going to start falling apart on you. So this is, again, we're going to talk about limitations, which is one of my favorite things. Because if you set firm limitations on your story, you can do some things that seem really impossible. Um, it, you just, you don't think. I can write 80 years of a person's life and death 
in 6,000 words. You th that's just impossible. But if you set really firm limitations, you can do that. Um, so the other thing is if you want to have a very short time frame, you can build out um, one minute into a story, in a 6,000-word a story that will shake somebody's life because you do the setting, you, you make your world bigger. Mm-hmm. You make the stakes enormous, but you you go to the last minute of one person's life. Yeah. And you break it down into six, um, six ten-second bites so that it's one minute that changes everything. And, and, and the stakes being gigantic can be – this is something that a lot of people misunderstand. They think, oh, the entire universe is going to implode stakes. But mm -hmm. like Holly – shows in a lot of her work and she also talks about in one or two of the classes that's too big of a thing to really impact your reader stakes right. are what is big for this character because this is the character especially in a short story if you're inside one character's head then it's the stakes for that one person right so it's how big are these stakes for this this one person but exactly. also, I do like the idea of maybe, maybe this, and of course, my brain goes to either Fulton Hills or zombies, always. <laughs> and it's zombies right now. So the stakes, again, is changing everything, is writing this short story, 6,000 words, one minute. It is the last minute before the zombie virus outbreak, and it is the dude who causes the problem. And Beautiful. It, yeah. And now I want to fucking write it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great idea. Yeah. You, six 1,000-word scenes. You could nail that. Yeah. And isn't oh. it crazy? Like, as soon as you were talking about this, my muse was like, limitations, 60 seconds. Hmm. Oh, yeah. We're going to do this. Yeah. So it's it's funny how you get inspired by things. But but just that idea of that challenge. Mm -hmm. If you're a writer who who automatically you're like, I could do that. No, I can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> You're not alone. That's all of us. And we freaking love challenges. And if, if you mm -hmm. haven't gotten to the point where you love challenges yet, challenge yourself. Try out what Holly's talking about. What would your ultimate one minute, 6,000 word story be for yeah. Six for scenes. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's actually sit, set some some hard limits here as because this would be a fun thing to do mm -hmm. is six scenes. Um, one character. One minute, 6,000 words. And what could you do with that? Yeah. Oh, man, this is great. This is awesome. If you guys want to play along, uh, I'll create a place in the forum. Do it. Yeah, um, in the podcast forum. Yeah. And we'll just have this one this one thread. And if you guys come up with it, you know, whenever it is, it doesn't matter if it's two or three years from now. If you're going to do this pop in there, find the thing and, and, and share it to the forums because I'm definitely, I think I'm going to take today or tomorrow and write my, my zombie outbreak story. Oh, that's such a, such an awesome idea. Yeah. One minute, oh, man, that, that right minute. there, one minute, just my muse just was like, I was like, oh man, I wouldn't want to do that. And my muse was like, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the other questions? <laughs> okay. Um, how much effort is required to effect change? And when you're, and again, with, um, my story, the light through fog, the effort to effect change was that she had to never, she, she could never fall in love with somebody else. She could never leave that house. I mean, she could, she could go places shopping and stuff, but if there was a fog, she couldn't, she didn't dare go anywhere. Yeah. She didn't uh, want to she, go on vacation. She didn't want to right. move. She didn't. Yeah. Yeah. She could never sell the house. Um, she could never start building out relationships elsewhere because she had to know that she would be home if a sudden fog came up, if there was a chance to be with him again. She had, her limitation was that he was the only man she was ever going to love. Mm -hmm. And that, that she had this one ten, just tentative way to hang on to this thing. And it turned out that because she was faithful, because they only 
lived for each other and for these moments throughout their entire lives. They got eternity afterwards together. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know that. He didn't know that. They had no idea. But it was it was very, very, very strictly limited. Yeah. Now, and how much effort was required to affect that change, she had to give up pretty much everything in her life but her kids mm-hmm. in order to get the payoff at the end of the story. And she didn't even know that she was fighting toward that payoff. Yeah, she, she didn't just know knew. that there was. She yeah. just knew she wanted to be with him. And that and was that her was... only way to do that. And yeah. she didn't want anybody else. Yeah. So after limitations, is there any other questions? There aren't. But let's go back through the questions again and yeah. look at them from some different lengths. Um, so let's look at uh, a novel length story. How many people does this story affect? And, you know, basically, you've got all the room in the world here. It can be two people. Yeah. If it's a romance. <laughs> look at look at the thicker romances, like um, like just do Devereaux or um, uh, what's his name Nicholas Sparks or any of those things I mean you're looking mm-hmm. at different lengths of novels or you can go George R. R. Martin with it and have an entire you know plethora of characters <laughs> yes maybe even four or five plethoras yes <laughs> yes but the, again that is a series but at the mm-hmm. same time you know just looking at one of his novels the way he covers all of these people um he does not wrap it up so maybe you want to have a little bit less unless you intend on writing a pretty large series but there are it the problem with novels though is that you feel limitless Mm -hmm. and the worst thing you can do is not keep to limitations right Right, so we'll, we will get back to that at the novel length. Soon. Yes, yes. Um, but you you want to know in advance when you're writing a novel roughly how many people it's going to affect, um, because this is a part of setting limitations and, and stopping everything you do from turning into the infinite novel that that never ends. Um, you want to establish your stakes, and with a novel you can have much bigger stakes. You can have the entire universe is at stake. Um, you can have uh, our our entire planet is at stake. You can have my best friend isn't talking to me anymore as the stakes of a novel. Mm-hmm. That's a very small stake. But, but if you're looking at it from a Judy Bloom perspective and you're a teenager, that's definitely not a small stake. Yeah, that's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um. So you establish stakes, and again, you have much more elbow room with a novel, but it doesn't, you can write a big novel idea, which is is world-encompassing. You can write a small novel idea, but if you are going to have the stakes for a small novel idea, then you have to delve much more deeply into the ups and downs of characters, and their struggles and um, their compromises and their failures and their pain and their personal stakes. Yeah. Um, then, after we have the stakes, how large an area is directly affected? You know, well, you kind of covered I mean, some of this because, like you said, it right. could be the universe, it could be the world, it could be a small town. Right. But I'm... I no longer recommend drawing a map before you establish the whole, before you establish your story. Um, I recommend doing some mapping as you're writing so that you can stay on top of where things are in relationship to each other. Yeah. But one of the most annoying things uh, I have to look at is all of the maps I have rolled up in the office in my little map tube of entire planets where I mapped out all of the all of the towns and cities and rivers and roads and and continents and countries, and um, then I never got to use any of that crap. Yeah. Um, well, but I got if, to use little pieces of it. But if you're an indie writer, it's a little bit different though, because yeah, a lot of true. the problem with Holly's was that her books kept not selling to the net or selling to the net or whatever it was. Right, and they kept selling to the net. Yeah, which is, which yeah. is something we've gone over that before. But right. so then the publisher canceled 
And then she was left with these maps of these worlds that she never got to do. So if you're an indie indie writer and you love map building and mm-hmm. I mean, go for it because like I I definitely would love to have you do the maps for Fulton Hills. <laughs> that might be fun actually. Yeah. And I would not mind, you know, dropping some stuff on on the my big surface and uh taking a look at what I could come up with. Yeah. If you actually wanted to do that, that oh, would be fun. Hell yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Okay. Um we can just do that as a Zoom session somewhere. Yes. <laughs> okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but you do need to when even if you're not doing mapping, you need to have an idea of how wide you go. Do you and and whether you are going to be willing to expand out or whether you want to keep it pretty tight. For the stories that I am writing right now, I thought they were all going to be set tightly in this one town. And then I discovered that they're going to go considerably broader before they come tightly back to that one town. The, the town is the focal point. It is essential. The stories cannot happen without this one town, and they cannot happen without this one house. But within the zone of the house, there are some other things possible. Yeah. And, and, and it is entirely possible to expand through the house. So I'm really excited about this story. But then you can also write entire series in one small town. Like uh, you've mentioned the Mitford series by Jan Karen, I think. Jan Karen, yeah. And I love those. Um, they are, it's, it's really funny because it's, it's very nice Christian fi- fiction. I am an atheist. I love those books. Um, go figure. But they are beautifully detailed stories of a small town with the interactions of characters to each other. And the stakes are small. I mean, it's it's just little problems. There's nothing world-ending. It is this very soft, gentle world uh, in which it's unhappiness between people who are have been neighbors and, and there's something wrong or uh, a girl gets in trouble or somebody moves in and is having a hard time making friends or finding a way to sit into the town or to fit into the town. Um, It's just lovely fiction. And it's, they're full-length novels, but the stakes are gentle, Mm -hmm. small. They're important to the people who are living them, but they're not important to anybody else. But they're wonderful reads. Yeah, and Um, it's it's, it's all about the, the, the stakes can feel big. But they don't have to be actually physically big. Like we talked about with the Judy Bloom novels, um, the teenager and preteen mindset, the kid mindset is is everything is huge, everything is life ending, everything is is a disaster and 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 stuff like that. That's the feeling you get. Mm-hmm. from reading those novels and if you're a kid you can relate and even if even as an adult you can relate to some of the stuff that's in there and the stakes on the outside looking in as an adult reading these things the stakes aren't really that big no. you know like one of them covers um, a new girl moves into town and this one girl gets jealous because her best friend you know is is hanging out with her a lot and that's the premise of part of that book and it's it's you know, she also has a crush on this one boy. And those stakes, when you're reading them, feel big. Yeah. So that's, well, because, that's the idea. Right. When you're that age, a crush is the end of the world, especially mm-hmm. if the guy doesn't look at you or see you. Or, man, I lived through that and, and still remember the pain of yeah. having a crush on a guy who, oh, I, you know, <laughs> was never going to look at a skinny girl with glasses. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's the idea is, is that, you know, stakes don't have to be the end of the universe to feel big and to feel world ending. So right. it's it's all about the genre that you're working. So what is the next question? Okay. Um, now we were actually already past the large area is uh, yeah. how large we an were, area is affected. Right. So we, yeah, so let's move on to the one after that. How much story time is covered? Now this really can r- limit you severely. Um, it is very 
I mean, you can you can write the most fascinating novel in the world about one minute. Mm-hmm. If it is a compelling minute and you are spanning the globe and you are you are taking this one minute in which things are happening to characters all over the world simultaneously, that is world changing. That would be an awesome novel. Yeah. Um, there was a book, um, Face of Fear by Dean Koontz, that was, um, I think it was just basically a couple of hours mm-hmm. where it was this um this uh is the building that basically um got stormed by people that were taking hostages i i haven't read that book in in well over a decade but it was an incredibly short time frame and he had written it very very tensely and it was it was well done it it bordered on slightly annoyingly tense (laughs) which is something that darcy coates did with parasite mm -hmm. um but and and that actually is is a a span of a a slightly short but also longer period of time too so it's it's neat that is a really good example and i do want to mention something that i have noticed that coons occasionally does that he could take a beat from hitchcock from which is every once in a while you want to let the door creak and a cat walk in so that everybody goes oh, and exhales so that you can then scare the shit out of them when the thing yes. behind the cat comes in. Yes, that was what <laughs> I thought Darcy Coates did so well with the with the paranormal books. But then Parasite, it was like, dude, I, I, I get you don't want your reader to put the book down, but you mm-hmm. don't want your reader to just be tense and having a panic attack reading your damn book either. Yeah, you don't want to kill the reader because the reader can then not buy your next book. So yeah. Yeah, let them breathe, damn it. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's great. The tense is great. But I don't want to mm-hmm. sit through a 300-page book with full-on anxiety because you're not giving me a, a second to relax. Right. And right. Good Pacing Lord, is a deal. Please. Yeah. But on the other end of that, um, while you can cover the entire the history of time from uh, the explosion, the, the, the first, the Big Bang, to uh, the big collapse. If you do it, you're going to have to skip a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and pick your moments because uh, there is a limit to how much people people can read. There's a limit to how much you can write. And there is a limit to how much time and and life people are going to invest in any particular story Mm -hmm. um so then you have to really hit the high points and you have to make the high points that you show compelling and it's not going to be all one character and it's going to be so you you can do anything in fiction as long as you set good limits and then follow your own rules yeah yeah so it 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 also depends on what your story is going to hold like if your story is going to be the fall of mankind um through vampires like the passage that i'm reading okay um he encompasses kind of like the the setup of this this slightly future world because it's only a few years ahead of where we are well where we were anyway when he wrote it and there's these things ha- that have have happened the scientists that are doing something to to kind of alter things and then there is the release of these creatures and the fall of mankind then he skips about a hundred years not quite but about a hundred years into the future and it, it it the way he did it was really well done and it's it's <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I haven't finished it yet but it's just I'm, I'm very very close and it's really well done, and it covers the span of time, but it does skip that hundred years. But he does it well because he kind of transitions you through these documents from mm-hmm. from people from the you know that are are historical documents that would to us be future documents. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is that is a really important point too. Is if you are going to cover massive amounts of time, you need some sort of Transitional a well thought aid? out transitional method. Yeah. Uh, a, a framing mechanism like uh, future documents 
or one character who survives through that entire long time because of being immortal. Or, or even one family line, maybe. Or one family line, which is something that uh, a number of writers have done very, very well. Yeah. Um, where there is a connection, a logical, understandable, easily showable connection between the first point and the last point so that your thread holds together all the way through the story. Yeah. Um, and please don't make your reader sit there and try to figure out how this part is going to be connected. Because if you have them invested in your characters and then your next part is the same world but none of those characters, you're really, and, and no thread that covers through, no connection, and yeah. you're really, really risking putting off the reader then putting that book down and not buying anything by you again. There's there's a book that um, it was by Helen Hoover Santmeyer Helen Hooven Helen Hoover, I, I, Santmeyer um, it was in Ladies of the Club and it was this in this entire history of a small town for like almost a hundred years uh, told from this one person who started as a young woman and ended up as a really old lady and uh, it was a brilliantly done book that had the the history of the small town but it was compelling because of the one character who was relating it yeah and who had lived through all of it and that was a very nice connecting mechanism that had a ma an enormous amount of time hold together very nicely and a lot of small minutia and little details and and things that would not have otherwise been interesting become meaningful because this character had them all in context of how they changed and how they related to the other other parts of the world and, and the bigger events in history outside of the world. And yeah. it was just really good. Now, again, I'm we're, uh, again, everything is generalization. So obviously there's always an exception to to, you know, please leave a connection in there. But mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's it's kind of a big risk because I have read a book. I don't remember the title of it. I wouldn't mention it anyway. Um it was a, uh, I think it was an urban fantasy, and okay. it gave probably a third of the book to these three characters, and I was really invested, and I thought it was amazing, and it was so well written, and then there was this event that happened, and then the characters were never mentioned again. It was the same world, but it was, I think, 15 years in the future. Mm -hmm. They were never mentioned again. Whatever they did, it didn't, it didn't. It, it mattered in that it had set up the world, mm -hmm. but the new characters were so different. Yeah. And the new world was so different that I kind of wish the author had just started the book out there and maybe left the other ones as a separate story and given them a proper ending mm -hmm. because it really put me off for the rest of the series. I just couldn't uh -oh. get, yeah. That would have lost me instantly. I mean, I yeah. finished the book because the writing was really, it was a good writer, but mm -hmm. I just, I didn't pick up the rest of the series. I just, I couldn't get, because I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting the entire time for, for some those resolution. Yeah. And I, yeah. I got, I, once I finished the book, I realized like, okay, so it was just setting up the world as it is now, mm -hmm. but it really, really bummed me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like that would have lost me. Yeah. That probably would have lost me for the writer. It, I, I haven't picked up anything by them yet. So, yeah. I mean, um, so after that, what is, let's do the next one. Okay. Uh, then how much effort is required to affect change? And this goes back to your stakes, but it also goes back to how many characters are involved. Um, so if you've got two best friends and they have a falling out, um, what do they have to do to get back together again? And the stakes in that are going to depend on what they fell out over. Mm -hmm. If the best friends, um, one of them slept with the other's husband and is having a kid by him, mm. that's going to be a hard friendship to, to save. Mm -hmm. um, if it is, well, they both like the same boy, and the boy turns out uh, after after. Uh, being boyfriend to each of them then dumps them for a third girl 
then that will be a thing that could bring the friendship back together again because they realize that the per- the guy they both liked, who supposedly liked one or the other of them, was in fact just, you know, one of those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so- and it just depends on the characters, who they are, who you're writing them as. It depends on the world and, and what kind of limitations you set. But, yeah, you got to figure out the effort for yourself. Yeah, and it also depends on, on the audience you're writing for. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you need to have, you, you need to know your genre. You need to know um, the, the books or the stories that are like yours out there. And, and when I say like yours, I, I don't mean they're selling the same story. I mean they are covering the same kinds of conflict. Um, they are looking at the same sorts of pain and struggle. Yeah, if you're uh, more interested in finding what we're talking about, go back to our episode on bookalikes. Yeah, because yeah, I'll link that in the show notes, and that is um, a good one. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to how to find your bookalikes and mm-hmm. why. <laughs> right. Yeah. So affecting change can mean a, a, a lot of things. Yeah, affecting change can be um, fixing a bad breakup. Um, it can be saving the world. It can be saving the universe. And the effort it takes to do each of those things is progressively larger mm-hmm. than the effort, effort it took to do the previous thing I mentioned. And uh, so you are, but it doesn't necessarily make the book bigger. Mm-hmm. You can do any story, pretty much any story at pretty much any length, depending upon how you define your limitations and how you keep things i mean within the novel novella novelette even short story thing um when we're talking about flash no you pretty much are are working with uh, a one a character a concept and a punchline yeah um well yeah. not necessarily a punchline if you guys aren't it's just that's that's the way holly is is looking at it but right a, a twist how, in other words right right yeah. that's how i'm defining the twist is is this this whole point of the story is to deliver that twist and then you yeah do. yeah um, so in in yeah in effect it's a punchline <laughs> yeah uh but beyond that in short stories you can cover remarkable amounts of stuff um and you can go bigger it's just if you have a short form you have to be very very limited and very tight on how you're doing your limitations um with regards to all of the other things, characters and conflict and world and and timeline and and if you are going big on one thing, everything else has to be tight. Mm-hmm. With novels, you can go big on everything. Yeah. So, is there anything else before the takeaway? No, no. I think that really. I I think we've shown people. Yeah. You know what I, makes yeah how you, I do how you too. Get that. Yeah. I think, um, but if you guys have had, still have questions about this, um, we will have a forum topic in the forums. It's hollywoodswritingclasses.com. It's a free account. You get the flash fiction, how to write flash fiction that doesn't suck course for free. And um, if you go through it and you edit stuff, you you could create some saleable stuff for free. So uh, give it a shot. Um, But yeah, you can go into the forums, find this episode. Let us know what your question is. Let us know if, if there's something that... Uh, we didn't quite answer in a way that you understood anything like that. Just shoot it down there or email us at show at alone with invisible people.com to let us know what, you know, you're still questioning. If you have questions about writing in general, you can email us, um, as well. And just ask us, you know, if you, if you don't want to publicly ask some questions because you're feeling like, it's it seems like it might be a simple thing or a stupid question there are no stupid questions so um yeah you can follow us on the socials that's at alone in a room with invisible people on facebook alone with invisible people on instagram that is at aia rwip on twitter and please if you if you are doing something if you're listening to the podcast and, and you get inspiration, if you are trying something out from, that you heard from the podcast, anything, tag us, man. We would love to, absolutely love to see, um, you know, what you're doing with our podcast, um, you know, what you're doing as far as if you got inspiration, if you're trying the 10-minute timer, anything. Just tag us and let us know because we love seeing it. If you, if you get our merch, you know, like from the Redbubble shop that we have, if you get a coffee mug or a, a 
tote bag or a notebook to freaking take a picture of it and tag us in it. We would love to see it. It's like, yay. Yeah, we One would. of us out there. <laughs> That's what it, it, it helps us feel like, hey, there's, you know, there's more of us out there. So, yeah, definitely. It does um, help us let, to let us know that we're not just talking to ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely know because we, we're getting, yeah. we see you guys sharing stuff. We see you guys in the forums. But it's it's neat to see this tangible picture of somebody writing something or yeah or, it makes it real yeah yeah it, it helps us to see our people better and with more clarity and and we also we want to be able to reach on so um yeah holly what is the takeaway for today okay today's takeaway is this knowing innately how big an idea is when you're getting started requires daring to make mistakes daring to take chances Daring to be wrong while learning to be right. You can only get good by daring to be bad. So it is okay if you don't know when you get started and you make an idea, come up with an idea that's the wrong size for the story. It happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. So just, but, but just keep writing. Again, all first draft is shit, mm -hmm. but it, you got to go through the first draft to get to the revision where you can make it what you want it to be. So you don't worry about it. You're just right. You have fun. You, you, you find your, your passions and your love and, and you write with joy. Yeah. I, I heard a quote that, that meant a lot. Um, and I don't remember who said it, but it was never underestimate failure. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You have to fail your way to success. Mm -hmm. So yeah, never underestimate failure. So, yeah, this has uh, been our episode for the week. Again, if you have any questions, go ahead and either email us or join the forums. Let us know what we could try to say in a different way to help you out or explain things. Um, we do have a thread for questions, your issues, questions that you want us to cover. We want to remind people, please do not answer the questions that are in that thread. That thread is only for Holly and myself to put towards the podcast. Please, folks, do not answer the questions that are being asked in that thread. If yeah. you want your question answered by the group, find a different place to post it. Don't post it in that. That that specific thread is just for Holly and myself. <laughs> so, yes, because that's where we look for future episodes. Yes, yes. So I'm going to go ahead and say we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to, to see you in the forums and on, on the socials. And I will talk to you guys next week, Holly. Um, I'm going to be looking for those one minute, those stories about one minute. And uh, I've got some ideas for that. So write with joy and I'll see you in the forums.